Thank you so much, Pastor Tito. Hey, let me just uh, kind of quantify too um, what what Tito, what Pastor Tito is doing on on Tuesdays and Wednesdays nights. I came on uh, both nights just to see the Friendsgiving, and it's it was an amazing sight. And so uh, let's give it up for Pastor Tito right now for loving on our kids, loving on our students. If you have a student that's in middle school, junior high, high school, and they're not part of our youth program, I want to strongly encourage you uh, to do that because uh, they're really doing something amazing there. So it was great being part of that. And also, if you have Tuesday or Wednesday nights free and you are able to help Pastor Tito uh, in student ministries, then go and see him because I know that he could use some help. He has about three three or four um, faithful uh, leaders right now, but he could really use uh, more leaders in there because the student ministries are, it's growing, both the junior high and the high school are growing, and he could really use uh, some help in there. So go, go see him if you've got Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights available, and he can uh, maybe get you hooked up. So thank you, Pastor Tito, for doing that. Um, also, if you are here for the very first time, thank you for being here. We have a gift for you. You'll see this mug that we have on our table every week, and that is our free gift to you uh, with our logo on it, just to say, hey, thank you for checking this out. Make sure you grab this on the way out. Go through those double doors, you'll see our welcome center there on your left and just say, hey, it's my first time here and we'll put that in your hand. And also, if you are here as a guest and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. Amen. That's right. Um, Also, if you came prepared to give this morning, we just want to say thank you so much uh, for, for doing that. Uh, we have four different ways you can give back to God through New Life. You can do that online. You can do that through our app, which is the easiest way to give. Or you can give physically here on the weekends. We have giving stations located at our exits, and you can just drop your gift off uh, in there. But we just want to say thank you so much uh, for doing that. Uh, I want to say congrats to our Patterson High School and Oristimba High School football teams for going as far as they did this year. Unfortunately, both of their seasons came to a close uh, on Friday, but hey, they went into the playoffs both 10 and 1, and so that's a really good uh, really good uh, record to have when you go into the playoffs, and uh, Orson almost pulled it off, Patterson did not almost pull it off. But hey, uh, we're so proud of our guys. We're so really, really proud of our, our teams and those boys. They put in a lot of hard work over the season. So just wanted to say congrats to them. Also, this week, guess how many families our food pantry fed? Normally, it's between, what, Tito, 120, 140 uh, families. This week, we fed 194 families at our food pantry. So thank you, all of those. We have several people who are part of New Life that are part of that. Uh, each and every week. Thank you so much for serving. Uh, it does not go unnoticed uh, either by uh, the campus or by the Lord. And he sees the hard work that we put into that. So thank you. They are closed this week uh, for Thanksgiving, but they will reopen next week, our food pantry, and they're going to be gearing up for Christmas boxes. So if you want to be a part of our food pantry, go see Pastor Tito and he can get you uh, connected with that. And then lastly, um, our uh, every year, uh, Tim Tuman puts together a community uh, Christmas choir. Where are you at, Tim? Raise your hand. Where are you at? He's right over there. So Tim Tuman puts together a community Christmas choir and they sing at New Hope. And that's happening again this year. If you want to be part of that community Christmas choir, go see Tim Tuman at the end of service and he can get you connected. But they're going to be singing Christmas carols, Christmas songs on Saturday, December the 17th at New Hope. Okay. Saturday, December the 17th at New Hope. So if you want to be part of that choir, then go find um, uh, Tim right after service and he can get you uh, connected with that. All right. All right, guys, we are a busy campus, right? And I love that we did this. We did this uh, specifically for you. 
So put this on your refrigerator somewhere where you can see it to stay connected with what's happening through the Patterson campus through the month of uh, December, okay? All right. Who's ready to uh, wrap up this series that we've been in? All right. This is going to be, this is going to be uh, really good today as we dive into today's uh, message. The, me- the title of the message today is The Heart of the Matter. The Heart of the Matter. Now, I don't know about, about you, but when we came up with that title, I've been singing that Don Henley song from 1989 from the Eagles. You guys? Okay. All right. Thank you. At least one person. Go listen to that song if you haven't heard it. Don Henley, The Heart of the Matter. It's about forgiveness, and it's really good uh, from 1989. The, uh, we're finishing up today. And uh, like I said, you know, we, we've squeezed in 10 commandments inside of eight weeks. And like we've said over and over over the past eight weeks, the most crucial thing that we want everyone to walk away with from this message, from this series, is that the 10 commandments were not given as a condition of God's love. They were not given as a condition of his approval or his acceptance. They are the confirmation That a relationship already exists. Relationship always comes first. God loves us so much that once we put our faith and our trust and our hope in him, he wants to show us how to live so that we can live in freedom. So this weekend, so this morning, I want you to put yourself in the shoes, or in this case, the sandals, (laughs) of the Jewish nation back all these thousands of years ago as Moses is reading off these 10 commandments. So he's read the first nine, and now God's about to roll out the 10th and final one. And you, you think there had to be this air of expectancy in the air, right? Of, what, of what, what's about to be read, what's about to be announced, what's left. I mean, you must obey your leaders. Maybe one final instruction about everyone having to listen to Moses. I mean, that one makes sense since Moses was their leader. At least there's probably one more thou shalt or thou shalt not do this or don't do that. I mean, there are a lot of things that could fit under this thou shalt not that would still be on pretty solid ground. But it seems that everything in our lives have been included in the first nine. So what is left to be added? So God finishes up with this 10th and final commandment, and none of us would have guessed this one. This is that unenforceable commandment, the invisible commandment. You can't pick up the phone and call the police on this commandment about murder or stealing or lying. This commandment is about what's going on on the inside of you, where no one can see. It actually stands apart from all of the other commandments because we really don't know if anyone is actually breaking this commandment. There's really no evidence, or is there? And that's what we're gonna dive into, actually the evidence of what it looks like to break this commandment, and it's this. Here you go, you ready for it? You shall bring Pastor Jeremy some fresh banana bread next weekend. Okay, that's not it, but if you wanna do that, that's fine. Exodus 20, verse 17 says this, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Here's the big idea that I want us all to walk away with this weekend. I'm grateful for my blessings, not jealous for the blessings of others. 
I am grateful for my blessings. I'm not jealous for the blessings of others. Now, living with my personality, let me just kind of set it up a little bit like this. Living with my personality is um, an adventure. All right, one might say, some, some might say even torturous. Those of you that are familiar with all the different personality tests that are out there, some of you have taken those, you know these things about yourself. If you've ever heard of the DISC assessment, I'm an IS, like right on the line. Uh, the Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFP, which is also called the campaigner. Uh, on the Enneagram, I'm a seven, which is also called the enthusiast. To sum up my personality, I get bored very easily. I love, love, love options, not just two options. Don't give, go, don't give me just two options. I need like 10 options. I hate conflict. I avoid mental and emotional pain like the plague, which means I've developed really good escapist skills over the years. But I also adapt very well. So some call my personality the chameleon because I adapt to my environment. I'm also a huge visionary and an entrepreneur, and I love change, but I have trouble finishing projects, finishing tasks, because I get bored so easily. <laughs> and because of this, FOMO, the fear of missing out, is a very strong, real reality for me. Although I have to admit, the older I get, the less I care what I'm missing out on, to be honest with you. But I'm extremely nostalgic. I have a photographic long-term memory of details in my, of my life and words that have been spoken to me, which sometimes can feel like a curse. Growing up, I, dro I drove my parents crazy, and even in my 20s and 30s, I know I dro drove Jana absolutely nut nuts because I was always feeling unsettled, never content, always wondering what else is out there. I mean, I know what I have here, but what else is over there? Commitments were hard for me to make because who knows? I might like something else better. I don't know what else is, but I might like it better. <laughs> Not in relationships, but with jobs and vehicles and houses and churches and positions, etc. you name it. That's my personality. Now, the reason I wanted to share all that about myself is because I want you, it helps to kind of see how toxic social media has been in my life in the beginning and how I had to discipline my intake of it. Because like a lot of you, I was beginning to covet what others had. Their lives, their vacations, their cars and houses, their jobs, their good times together. But what I realized, however, was that it was causing me to be ungrateful with my own blessings, being jealous and coveting their highlight reels was causing me to resent and forget all of the goodness that God has done and been in my own life. So what does it really mean to covet? What is the definition of covet? Covet means this, to strongly desire, to lust after, to want something so badly that it begins to damage relationships. It means that you can't get along with your friend anymore just because their house is bigger, just because their car is nicer, and it's not even the house anymore. You just can't stand being around that person anymore. You've suddenly discovered out of nowhere that they get on your nerves. And it's the kind of thing that if your friend hit a hard time financially and had to give up that car or give up that house or give up that whatever that you're coveting, the inside, you'd be a little happy. Why does their failure make me feel better? It's because there's coveting that's happening. 
I so strongly desire something that someone else has that it begins to impact my relationship with them. In fact, there are two necessary ingredients needed to covet. Number one, you strongly desire it, whatever that is. And number two, it already belongs to somebody else. So you strongly desire it, and it already belongs to someone else. So those, those are the two ingredients to coveting. Coveting is more than just desire by itself. There's nothing wrong with desire. Nothing wrong with wanting something or pursuing something. We can desire food. We can desire uh, respect and approval. We can, des- we can desire knowledge or, or education or growth. We can desire love. Nothing wrong with any of those. Most of the things that we accomplish in life stem from a desire to grow, from a desire to succeed and to move ahead, to provide for our families. Nothing wrong with those things. In fact, the Bible actually commends that. But coveting is more than that. Coveting is desire gone wrong. It's an out-of-control desire for what someone else has or who someone else is to the extent that it damages or maybe even hinders relationships. So if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down for number one, whether you're doing it digitally on your phone or on that piece of paper that you have. Coveting exposes the heart of my problem. Coveting exposes the heart of my problem. We know that we're not just answerable to God for my actions, but we are also answerable to God for our thoughts as well. We're not just accountable to God for what we do. We are accountable to God for what we're thinking about doing. We're not just accountable to God for adultery. We're accountable to God for thinking about adultery. What, this is what coveting is. When we're entertaining the thoughts of having an affair, we're planting the seeds of our actions. When we begin to water the seeds of anger in our thoughts and in our heart, it can ripen into murder. Do you think any of these commandments just happen? No, they start up here. And they start right here in our heart. This is where sin begins. Sin isn't accidental. Coveting leads to stealing. Coveting leads to adultery. Coveting leads to lying about our neighbor. Coveting leads to dishonoring our parents. And Jesus is saying, I want you to cut it off at the root by not coveting. God knows that this is a thought issue. God knows that this is a heart issue in our lives. So he wants us to guard our heart. He wants us to guard our thoughts and guard our mind. Remember God's intentions with these 10 commandments that we read earlier, that we've been talking about this entire series. God is saying, I'm not trying to make you good because your actions can't make you good. You can't behave your way into a relationship with me. God is trying to keep us free. And the slavery of our sin starts here and it starts here. Honor God, honor the people around you, and guard your heart and your mind. And that leads us to number two. Write this down. Coveting exposes my dissatisfaction with what God has given me. Coveting exposes my dissatisfaction with what God has given me. Remember our big idea. I'm grateful for my blessings, not jealous for the blessings of others. It almost seems as if God gave this command for the age in which we live. In Moses' day, you could covet someone's ox, but an ox was an ox. A donkey was a donkey. A servant was a servant. But today we have such an abundance of variation of stuff that this difference gets exploited everywhere we turn. Think about the, the, the advertising industry. 
I mean, they exist to make me dissatisfied with what I have. They exist to make me dissatisfied with how I look and, and what I experience. We think our life isn't complete unless we have the newest and the fastest and the shiniest and the coolest. I'm guilty of this, and you probably are too. We see what someone else has. The day before, our things were good, but then we find ourselves dissatisfied with what I have because of something that we saw that belonged to someone else. I mean, I thought it was great yesterday, but today it's outdated, doesn't work, my phone's ugly, they've got the coolest one. I'll ride in a friend's brand new car, smells new, New seats, new leather, new technology, and suddenly my perfectly good 2007 paid-for Jeep isn't good enough anymore. It was great yesterday, but today it smells like a Jeep and drives like a Jeep, which, by the way, I actually love those things about my Jeep, that it smells like a Jeep and drives like one. But do, we do this all the time, don't we? Do you ever do this, or is it just me? We see it online. We see it with people around us. I like their Christmas tree. I like their Christmas decorations. I like their table that they set up for Thanksgiving. I want, I want, I want. I want their body type. I want their hair or some hair. <laughs> I want their job. I want their education. I want their degree. I want their spouse. I want their marriage. I want their kitchen. I want their fancy bathroom. And maybe it's not even tangible things. Maybe it's this. I want their respect. I want their recognition. I want to be loved like that person. I want to be adored like that person. I don't want my struggles. I don't want my weaknesses. I don't want my insecurities. I don't want my imperfections. You see, culture communicates to me every day that I don't have enough. Culture communicates that the blessings that God has given me aren't enough and that life would be so much better if I just had something different or if I just had more. And the struggle is, is that I begin to plant seeds of frustration and dissatisfaction and I begin to not like you because you have what I don't have. Luke 12, 15, Jesus says this. This is Jesus talking. Beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. You see, the 10th commandment is similar to the first. If you remember the first commandment, have no other gods before me. The 10th one says, don't make goods your God. Guard your heart. This also makes us dissatisfied with God himself, with what he has given us, with the provisions that he has blessed us with. We think life's not fair, God. What about me? I want mine. I serve you. I love you. I worship you. I, I, I give. I, I attend every weekend. What about me? Where's mine? I'm entitled. God, since you're clueless, I'm just going to take what I want, even if the means are a little unethical. Coveting keeps us dissatisfied with what we have. But when what we don't have gets mixed up with what someone else does have, it gets even uglier. So write this down for number three. Coveting makes me devalue other people. It makes me devalue other people. You remember a few years back, the cheerleader mom, I think it was in Texas, who was plotting to have another cheerleader mom murdered so that she could, uh, because the competition was to win the spot on the team. Are you serious? These are 13-year-old girls, and this mom hired a hitman to kill the mother of one of the other girls so that her daughter could be on the team. 
coveting got the best of her. It's the extremes of what can happen when coveting takes over. I understand that. But it starts in our heart. When we begin to covet things we don't have, it starts in our heart and then begins to come out in our behavior. A total devaluing of someone else. Jesus was asked to sum up the commandments. Here's what he said. I know we've read this scripture a lot over the last eight weeks, but it, it warrants being, being read over and over again when the, when the religious people ask him, what the most important commandment is. He said this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And I wish that I was a fly on the wall back then to see if Jesus paused long enough for them to turn around and begin to walk away, to think, oh man, he, okay, he got us. And then while they're walking away, he says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we're coveting what someone has, when we're coveting who someone is, we're not loving them. In fact, we're willing to walk all over them to get what we want. Have you ever coveted uh, someone's job or their position at your work, hoping that maybe they'll, they'll mess up somehow or they'll miss a deadline, they'll keep clocking in late or they'll lose an account, hoping that you can gain from their loss? Maybe you've coveted someone else's spouse you made it subtle comments, flirted just a little bit to see where they are, trying to undermine someone else's marriage so that you can move in and have a shot at someone else's wife, someone else's husband. King David did this. He had everything at his disposal. He was king. He started as a shepherd boy and became the king of a nation, number one, the top of a nation. But look at this in 1 Samuel 13. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people. If you're looking for someone who desired to love and honor God, David was that man. But one night, even though he loved God, he allowed his desire to spin out of control. He began to covet someone else's wife. He wanted her. And even though he deeply understood the commandments, he let the seed of desire grow into adultery, and then later into murder. He dishonored and devalued his wife. He dishonored and devalued Bathsheba, her husband, their family. Because coveting always puts our selfish desires and our wants above others. We don't care that our actions cause someone else's family to crumble. We don't care that our actions may cause somebody, someone else's world to kind of cave in. We just want what we want, and forget the consequences. That's what coveting does. And God knows it's the beginning of destruction and that it causes wounds that sometimes goes beyond our imagination. We don't love our neighbor or care for our family or put others first when we covet. It is a violation of love. And God wants to protect us from that damage. Write this down for the last, this is your last villain for the weekend. The anecdote for coveting is contentment. The anecdote for coveting is contentment. Contentment's a word that we don't hear much about in our culture. And I'm not talking about just a lack of ambition or having challenging goals, the drive to move ahead. Those things are great. Contentment is not synonymous with laziness. It's a condition of the heart. Because a person can be poor and content or rich and content, or anywhere in between. The contented person is grateful. 
I want to say that again. A contented person is grateful. Paul was that kind of person. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi chapter 4. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Do you know where Paul was when he wrote this? Prison. He was in a dungeon in chains when he wrote this. Writing about being content in every situation while being locked up in prison. The darkest of the dungeons, in fact. The contented person knows, like Paul, that when Christ is in your life, when Christ is the Lord of your life and you have all that you need, you actually have far more than you ever deserve. All I have to do is just look back at the Ten Commandments and figure out what I deserve. We went through those. I'm not going to go through them again. But I know that I've broken every one of those commandments. So my guess is that you have to. Especially especially when you bring in Jesus' extension of the commandments in the New Testament that we read earlier about anger and lusting being right up there with murder and adultery. When you bring that in, I've broken them all. I haven't always honored God as God. Have you? I haven't always uh, um, uh, honored my parents. I struggle a lot with honoring a true Sabbath. I've murdered with my words, I've lusted, I've lied, I've stolen, I've coveted what belongs to someone else. Have you? I know what I deserve. Here's what I deserve. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. I know a lot of pastors stay away from this. I love buts in the Bible. I know it's kind of edgy to say something like that. We should do a whole series sometime called Bible Butts. <laughs> There's always a good B-U-T right there. Yeah, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's what I deserve because I've broken the commandments. I've fallen short, but thank you, Jesus, for the rest of the verse. I've been given forgiveness that one day I get to stand blameless in front of God. I've been given salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I've been able to be adopted into God's family, not just a theological idea, but a personal claim. I've been given spiritual gifts. I've been given the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, the third person of the Trinity lives on the inside of me. I've been given eternal life that one day in the not so distant future for any of us, that we get a new body and we get to live with Jesus eternally. And I've been given this, this church family. My faith family really is a blessing to me. I know I say this a lot. My family is 2,000 miles away. You are my family. And I love it. I don't take it for granted. You see, I don't deserve any of these things. I haven't earned them, but God is giving them because of his love. I know what I deserve. I've broken the commandments, and so have you. And these commandments just point out how much you and I need our Savior. And that's what God has given us. Salvation and life and forgiveness and mercy and so much more. 
material things, places to live, food to eat, cars to drive. You are in the top 0.001% on this planet if you have those things. I love this quote. It says this, contentment has more to do with who we know than what we have. Contentment has more to do with who we know than what we have. Remember our big idea, I'm grateful for my blessings, not jealous for the blessings of others. We talked about King David earlier and everything that he went through, he still penned these words, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I don't believe this, I don't believe it was a coincidence that we ended this series when we did being the Sunday before Thanksgiving nor the subject with which we are ending. Being grateful and thankful for what God has given me and not jealous for the blessings of others. And not only are we not going to be jealous of what others have to the point that it damages our relationship, but we're going to invite them to experience what we get to here on the weekends. We put together a tool as a way of doing that. On your way out this morning, we have these invite packets that we want to put in your hand. You can take up to five per household. This is just a simple tool for anyone that you've been connected with, anything, anyone that you have what we call relational equity. Maybe it's a friend or a neighbor or a coworker that you've been talking to about Jesus. You've been trying to figure out a way to invite them to new life. This is the way to do it. It's got information about our church in it. It's got a little thing uh, from me and from Pastor Tito and from Miss Anna about our ministries. It's got a little calendar on the back of things that's coming up here at New Life. We want, to, we want you to take several of these when you leave. Put these in the hands of some of your neighbors, some of your friends, some of your family. But before we pray, let me ask you, where have you coveted? And what area of your life have you coveted? We gave a pretty extensive uh, list earlier in the message, and my guess is that one or more of those impacted you, kind of resonated with you. The Holy Spirit may have pricked your, your heart with one or ones <laughs> of those areas in your life. Today is the day to make that right with God. Today is the day to say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for coveting that. Forgive me for coveting him. Forgive me for coveting her. And not appreciating or being thankful or grateful for what you've given me. But instead, I've wasted time lusting after what others have and forgot about all the things that you've done for me. If that's your prayer today, I want you to take a moment and process through that while we close in prayer. Will you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for being here before us and inviting us here into your presence so that you can transform our minds, transform our hearts, transform our souls. Lord, you know what every single person has gone through this week. Lord, they're sitting here today, Lord, enjoying the worship through song, enjoying the presence and the worship with other fellow believers and other people.
people, Lord, who have some of the same, same struggles and same desires and same challenges as they do. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I know that it does not ever return void. Lord, I thank you that it's like a two-edged sword. It, it hurts going in and it hurts coming out. That you are alive and active in our lives, Lord. Lord, I pray, God, that the message, Lord, impacted others as much as it impacted me. Lord, that we can walk away, take some inventory of our lives and really look at our, our, our relationships that we have and really take some inventory to say, has my, have any of my relationships been damaged because of the commandment that I have broken of coveting? And Father, I pray that this week, this Thanksgiving week, Lord, we can sit down and really embrace and evaluate, Lord, the blessings that we have in our life. Lord, not just the physical things like our spouse and our children and our health and our things, Lord, but our relationship with you. We can be thankful for your love, be thankful for your forgiveness and your mercy and also your justice, Lord, and Lord, that you care about us. Lord, the prayer of Maybe somebody here is kind of dissecting their life right now and looking at their life and picking out those areas, Lord, that you're pricking in our spirits, Lord. I pray that they'll just make those right with you. Lord, I pray over our church family, our campus family, Lord, as we go our separate ways, Lord. Keep us safe this week, Lord. Let our times of Thanksgiving and our times of uh, being with our family and our friends, Lord, be powerful and meaningful. Give us those opportunities to share someone, to share you with someone this week, Lord. Lord, what an amazing thing if we could look back at Thanksgiving of 2022 and see that that's the Thanksgiving that we were able to lead someone to follow you. That's my prayer. We love you. We surrender ourselves and trust you with everything that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Don't forget all the announcements. Uh, there's no ministries this week. Men's Bible study, women's Bible study, all that's on hold for this week being Thanksgiving week. Also, don't forget, on your way out, grab a handful of these. We have plenty. We can make more. We printed these in-house. So we can make a thousand more if we need to. So grab a few of these. If you came prepared to give, you can drop those off in the giving baskets. And uh, also, don't forget, two weeks from today, Tree lighting service. Make sure you're here for that. Bring in dessert to share. We love you guys. Have an amazing week. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Have a great Thanksgiving.